0: you're listening to audio from trinity west seattle for other resources more information about this sermon series or to connect with us visit our website www.trinityws.com hello my name is leslie dunn and i will be reading matthew 11 1 through 19 When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go, and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and and the violent have taken it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, "Look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you,
1: Leslie. Well, um, glad to see you guys. Um, I'm David. I'm one of the pastors here. I serve here as the executive pastor. And I get the privilege and honor of sharing God's word with you this morning. Let's uh, pause a moment in prayer. God, we ask that you would be with us and speak to us through your word and transform us so that we can be faithful kingdom ambassadors to represent the beauty of who you are. And the values of the kingdom that is upside down here in this world. So um, lead us and guide us by your Spirit in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Amen. Um, have you ever seen an uh, advertisement uh, of someone selling you the secrets of financial freedom? Right, and in the background there's a luxury car and, or maybe a mansion, and the guy says, "This I used to be broke." But I found the secret to success in making money through a passive income stream where you can easily make six-figure income within three months using the system that I created. He goes on to say, I have coached thousands of people just like you through my proven system to generate cash flow while you are literally sleeping at night. He doesn't stop there. All you need to do is click on the link below and sign up for my coaching class because my mission in life is to help people just like you to have the best life, having more time for your family and friends and less time at a dead-end 9-to-5 job. He says, I can show you how, but... You have to take advantage of this limited opportunity to sign up for this class, and it's only $1,999. Now, who's ready to sign up? We take cash and credit cards and crypto and gold and silver and platinum, right? Anyone ready to sign up? Well, when something sounds too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true, so it's wise and it's healthy to be a bit skeptical and ask good questions, especially when you are considering buying a get-rich online class. My short answer to you is just don't do it. Don't buy it, right? But the stakes are a lot higher when you are dealing with not just pursuing the convenient and get-rich schemes in life, but actually dealing with the meaning and purpose of life and and the question of our eternal destiny, whether to believe and give your life over to Jesus who claimed to be God's king and who came to inaugurate his kingdom. And this could actually be the most important question that we answer in this life. Well, in today's passage, we see that John the Baptist, who lived his entire life in preparing the coming of the Messiah, identified Jesus as the long-awaited Savior and King. Was this too good to be true or at least unlikely? What do we do with our doubts? Or was Jesus the actual fulfillment of God's salvation for his people and the very fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies through the years about the Messiah who has come? And was the kingdom age indeed starting with the arrival of Jesus? What we know from history is that John the Baptist was an important witness to the words and works of Jesus in his early years of ministry and and played a unique, crucial role in paving the way for Jesus to take center stage as the long-awaited Messiah and King. And as we dive into our text today through the unique ministry of John the Baptist, we will see, number one, John's doubts about Jesus' identity, which are addressed by Jesus. And secondly, we'll see the preparing the road and the way for King Jesus and the greatness of the kingdom. And lastly, we'll look at um, be just God's um, Jesus who is telling us a warning about rejecting God's messengers. Now, my hope today is that we get to see more clearly the reality of Jesus as Messiah and King and the greatness of the kingdom of heaven that he has ushered in. Let me ask you, are you you convinced that Jesus is your benevolent and gracious King who came to rule over you and to restore all that was broken in us and around the world? Are Are you ready to commit or maybe recommit for some of you today, all the days of your life to walk with Christ, obeying King Jesus and living out his kingdom values of grace and mercy and humility and holiness and generosity. Well, before we can arrive there, maybe you better make sure that Jesus was first of all who he said he was. And also consider and heed the testimonies of those who knew him was close to him and witness what he did. So let's begin by looking at our doubts, by considering the doubts of John the Baptist in today's passage. Now, we find that John the Baptist was in prison at this time in our passage, and and this is a difficult place to be, of course. Now, you might be wondering why John the Baptist was in prison. The answer is that John had called out the adulterous marriage of Herod, the regional ruler there, uh, that he married Herodias, who was actually the wife of Herod's half-brother. John had been wrongfully imprisoned by this selfish and corrupt ruler, Herod. And John is wrestling with whether Jesus was the Messiah. John, though, um, John through his disciples, asked Jesus and delivers this question, Are you the one we know God is going to send to save us? Or should we wait for someone else? Now John the Baptist, as great and prominent a person as he was, had doubts about Jesus' identity as the long-awaited Messiah and King. Now the nature of John's doubt was specifically about the timing of God's judgment Against the wicked when the Messiah arrives. Now, John believed and he preached that when the long awaited Messiah and King arrived, the Messiah would bring judgment for all of Israel swiftly. If you repent, you'll be saved, but the ungodly, the unrepentant, and the wicked will be judged and destroyed when the Messiah arrives. John, he preached in Luke. Chapter 3, verse 9, he says this, Even now the axe is laid at the roots of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, the day of the Lord's vengeance against the wicked through Jesus' ministry did not come swiftly enough for John and many others of his time who expected eminent judgment by Jesus, the Messiah, on those who did not repent. Herod being one of them who was corrupt, who had wrongfully imprisoned John and ultimately executed him. What John preached and believed about the day of judgment coming through Jesus the Messiah was true. Jesus the Messiah and King would one day judge the living and the dead, but he misunderstood the timing of when the day of judgment would come. Jesus, he doesn't answer John's question directly when John asked, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Jesus did not answer John in the way that John expected, but Jesus does reassure John that he was the Messiah, just as prophesied in the Old Testament. The Messiah and King would heal the sick and preach the good news to the poor. And everything Jesus preached and performed were consistent and a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Now, aren't you encouraged to see that John, this great prophet of God, wrestled with his expectations about the Messiah? I know I'm encouraged. How about you? Do you have doubts or questions about Jesus as Messiah? And and what are you doing to bring your questions before God and wrestle through them with God? Are these things about the gospel and what Jesus says, does it offend you? Things about him that don't meet your expectations and hopes. See, Jesus is inviting you today to bring your disappointments and fears before him. And he wants to meet you in your place of confusion and doubt and to answer you. John, he didn't live long enough to witness the day of judgment against Herod. In fact, he was executed by Herod, as I mentioned. John didn't get to witness Jesus' death on the cross for our sin and see the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And The focus of John's ministry was preparing the way for the Messiah to come. So John passionately preached repentance and baptized many to turn from their sin before the day of judgment. John explicitly preached a message of repentance because the Messiah was coming and he would exercise comprehensive judgment against evil and wickedness. Now, while Jesus didn't come to judge at that time, Scripture is clear that he will indeed come to judge and enact justice against all the wicked when he comes again. So we know that all of God's promises will be fulfilled But the timing of his fulfillment, of his various promises, is up to God and it's not up to us. This is what John learned and also something that we ought to learn. God doesn't come to satisfy my idea of a savior and to bring me health and prosperity like the way we want it. Yes, he loves to bless us and he provides for us, but God wants to give us a greater blessing than just physical blessings that last for a short while. He wants to bless us for all eternity. And he wants to bless us spiritually so that we can be made whole from all the damages of our lives, from sin. And ultimately, he wants to give himself to us, which is the greatest blessing that we can experience in this life. This is the kingdom life that Jesus is inviting us into Maybe you have doubted the identity of King Jesus. Maybe you've doubted the fact that he he is the Savior. Or maybe you are living as if Jesus has not really been your king functionally. Maybe you've been disappointed with Jesus because he didn't meet your expectations. Well, has your faith in Jesus ever been challenged when you suffer? We all have. Having doubts is now wrong when brought humbly to God's attention like John did. Notice that Jesus didn't rebuke John for his doubts, but rather reassured him that he was the Messiah as evidenced by his works of healing and the words of good news preached to the poor. And We live in a similar tension in which John lived. You see, the good news of the kingdom is that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, disarmed Satan. He removed the sting of death and he set us free from the power of sin. So, yes, Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrated the power of the kingdom. But the tension that we live in today is that there is still suffering, sin, and evil all around us. We are living in the in-between of when Jesus inaugurated the kingdom when he first came and the final consummation of the kingdom when Jesus comes back. But that does not mean that we don't get to experience the blessings of the kingdom today. There are lots of blessings that we get to experience in the midst of suffering and sin and wars and natural disasters and death while we wait for God's kingdom to come fully and completely today we get to experience the encouraging and comforting presence of his holy spirit who empowers his people we get to experience hearing the voice of god and learning about his character through the living word of god the bible we get to experience the transformation of becoming more like jesus by his grace We get to witness the blessing of the kingdom coming when a person repents of sin and pursues godliness to be Christ-like in character. We get to see the in-breaking of the kingdom every time a person surrenders their life to Jesus by faith and lives for him. See, the day of judgment John expected will surely come, and the Lord will execute judgment and justice for all who were oppressed. For many, the day of judgment can't come soon enough because they are suffering in the hands of wicked people. But this period of God's favor is an opportunity to get right with Jesus before the terrible day of judgment. Thank the Lord that we are living in the days of grace. The good news for anyone who does not know Jesus is that today is the day of salvation. The good news is that Jesus took on the judgment and condemnation that we deserved for sin and, in exchange, credited to us his blameless and perfect life so that we no longer need to fear the day of judgment John preached about. Forgiveness of sin is offered today, so repent and believe in Jesus. Notice that Jesus ended his response in John's. Uh, to John's disciples and said in verse 6, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now the natural human response to Jesus' words and works is being offended by Jesus because it it attacks our self-absorbed and self-righteous hearts. Jesus, the Messiah and King who came to inaugurate His kingdom, showed us that we are not the center of the universe. And it exposes exposes us as dependent and desperate people who need saving from the bondage of sin and our need for the King who can guide us and rule over us. Many people... Will be offended by Jesus because he does not fit their expectations about a savior that they think they need. But Jesus reassured John, he reassures us today that he is the Messiah and God's King, humanity has been waiting for so long. So therefore, we ought to receive him, worship him, and rejoice. Now, as John's disciples went away to deliver Jesus' response to his doubt, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about the significance of John in preparing the coming of the Messiah and the greatness of the kingdom, our second point. Jesus asked the crowds several rhetorical questions about why they sought out John the Baptist and, and then pointed out why John was more Than a prophet. Look at verse 7 and 8. Why did you go out into the wilderness? What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Now Jesus, he expected the crowd to answer no to these questions. Obviously, the people did not go out to the desert to see a blade of grass or a man dressed in expensive clothes. Instead, they went out to see a prophet. Someone who is more than a prophet, Jesus emphasized. Now before anyone knew about Jesus, before Jesus' public ministry, John, he attracted many people to hear his message while agitating the religious leaders of his day by preaching about the repentance of sin, announcing the coming Messiah, and the Messiah's judgment against the wicked. Right? Who wouldn't want to hear a provocative speaker? So many people went out to the desert to hear John the Baptist. Now, John, he was not a conventional religious leader of his day who worked in the temple. He, He was an eccentric person who piqued the curiosity of a lot of people. He wore camel's hair with a leather belt. He ate wild honey and locusts and lived in the desert. What did Jesus mean, though, when he said that John was more than a prophet? How was John more than a prophet, and what does this even mean? Well, John, he was more than a prophet and the greatest man of the Old Testament era, Jesus highlighted, because John was the prophet who identified and pointed the arrow to Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah and God's king. While many prophets before John wrote about the coming Messiah, no other prophet had the distinct honor of identifying and introducing the Messiah as Jesus of Nazareth. John prepared the way for Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah as was prophesied in the Old Testament. As the curtain of the Old Testament era was closing and the new era of the kingdom of heaven was opening, John had the distinct privilege of paving the way for Jesus the Messiah to come and inaugurate his kingdom. John was like the opening act for the most famous band in the world, hyping up the crowd and priming the pump to introduce the main show, Jesus Christ our Messiah, and King. As great and significant as John was in God's redemptive history, the least person, the least gifted, the least prominent, the least outspoken in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, was greater than John. Like, how could this be? Where you mean to say that an average Christian is greater than John the Baptist? I certainly don't think I'm greater than John the Baptist, but Jesus said Yes. Why? Because the people in the kingdom can more clearly identify Jesus' words and works than John the Baptist. Kingdom people can more clearly point people to Jesus as the King and Messiah because we are on the other side of the cross. The new era of God's upside-down kingdom Jesus brought was gloriously superior to the Old Testament era of living on the promises which looked ahead to the coming Messiah. Today, we have no more shadows of things to come and prophecies of the coming King and Messiah because the substance of what was foreshadowed in the Old Testament was fulfilled when King Jesus came and inaugurated the kingdom of heaven. Disciples of Jesus are in the kingdom of heaven and are under the loving and gracious rule of, of king jesus and the greatness we have as the least in the kingdom of god presently is that we have the uh, the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to point people to christ to tell them about king jesus and what he has done for us colossians reminds us of that reality when it reminds when it tells us He has delivered us, that is God. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And as blessed as we are to be presently living in this kingdom age of grace, there are still promises that we look forward to being fulfilled on that day when Jesus comes again. And for sure, things will even get better When we have heaven on earth and we can experience being with Jesus, being in his presence, and experience being there physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And we all look forward to that day of complete restoration. But until that day, for all the greatness of the kingdom, Jesus reminded us that the kingdom suffers violence and violent people plunder it. Being in the kingdom under Jesus' reign does not always guarantee security and comfort and the positions of power in this life. Kingdom living involves suffering just as Jesus suffered, and there will be violent opposition to the kingdom advancing, including spiritual warfare for those who are, who, are, who are lost spiritually and the persecution for kingdom people. Now, this should not come as a surprise to those who have been listening to Jesus' teaching. Back in chapter 5, Jesus reminded us about the persecution for being part of the kingdom of heaven. And we are to rejoice and be glad when we are persecuted for following Jesus and, and living with the values of his kingdom because there is a great reward that awaits us. You know, I like to hear about being greater than John the Baptist, but I don't like the part about being and expecting persecution for being kingdom people. Right? I, I, I like to hear about the greatness of the kingdom and the benefits of being part of the kingdom minus the suffering for Jesus part. This is part of why Jesus's kingdom is is upside down. King Jesus came as the suffering servant. The proud and strong are brought down and grace is given to the humble. King Jesus washed the dirty feet of his own disciples and taught that greatness in the kingdom meant being a servant of all. And this is not easy to accept. But Jesus says in verse 15, you have ears, don't you? Then pay attention to what I'm saying. Just, just hearing what Jesus was saying with our physical ears is not enough. We need to pay close attention to the words of Jesus, to think about them and understand it and put it into practice with the help of the Holy Spirit. We live in a wonderful age of the upside-down kingdom where we experience the grace of Christ, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to show the greatness of King Jesus and his rule over us. And we look forward to the fulfillment of all of God's promises on that day when Jesus Returns when all wrongs are made right and every tear is wiped away from our eyes and that day will indeed come. Lastly, Jesus, he ends this section by sharing a parable about children in the marketplace who who refuse to play with their friends to characterize the, the rejection of John the Baptist as well as Jesus the King. And he warns us about rejecting God's messengers. Now, Jesus, he recognized the unbelief and disobedience of the people. So he, he shared a parable about children who wanted to pretend to play a wedding and a funeral. Right? That's what kids do, right? My six-year-old daughter always prefaces when she wants to play with me. Let's pretend, Daddy, that you are a Daddy Unicorn. It's like, well... Unicorns are real, so of course it's pretend, but she always tells me, let's pretend. Well, Jesus, he talked about a group of kids pretending to play a a flute in celebration of a wedding, but no one would dance. Uh, they, they, They sang funeral songs, but no one would cry like mourners. Jesus was essentially pointing out that The religious leaders and many others refused to engage with God's messenger, John the Baptist, and God's son in a meaningful and transformative way. They refused to respond to John's message of the repentance of their sin and opposed Jesus' teaching and his miracles. If refusing to respond was not bad enough, they went further by accusing John of being possessed by an evil spirit, saying that he was basically crazy. John was known to fast regularly from food, and he drank wine, living a strict ascetic life. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, he ate and drank with tax collectors and sinners and the social Outcast at banquets and the religious establishment accused Jesus of being a glutton and a drunkard. John was oddly too holy, and Jesus was not holy enough as the basis for the religious leaders rejecting them and ultimately executing them. They ultimately rejected Jesus because he didn't fit their idea of a savior and he wouldn't, and they wouldn't bow down to Jesus and his demands as king and Messiah. They wanted to follow their own rules. Jesus could not be their Lord because they wanted to be the Lord of their own life. Corrupt human wisdom tells us that we are born good and that humanity can save ourselves through advances in technology. So we keep building towers of human achievement while rejecting and criticizing the divine upside-down wisdom of God's messengers like John and King Jesus. You see, a a human-centered wisdom will result in willfully and stubbornly rejecting Jesus, opposing his teachings, and refusing Jesus' offer of life through faith in him. So by attempting to save our lives, we will lose it. But Jesus calls us, right, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, is for us to lose our lives for his sake, meaning relinquish being lords of our lives, and by inviting Jesus to be lord, We will find ourselves and we will find life. Now at the end of today's passage, Jesus, he says this, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. The acceptance of King Jesus, his work on the cross on our behalf, and obedience to his words will result in an ever-increasing blessed life of righteous living. When you find wisdom, Jesus says, you will find life. A sinful and hard heart will change to a repentant and tender heart. Anger will turn to self-control. Selfish living will transform into a life of generosity and, and sharing with others. And, and apathy will move from will move to active service of others when we accept and believe in all that King Jesus offers us in his kingdom. Kingdom people will act and live according to kingdom values because they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and this will ultimately show others that God's wisdom is right and life-transforming. This week, as you guys gather in your community groups, consider these two questions do you have doubts or questions about Jesus as Messiah? And what are you doing to bring your questions before God and wrestle through them with God? Are there things about the gospel or about Jesus that offend you? And then this month, discipline is sharing your faith. And, uh, and Pastor Joel will email out those instructions this week. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are the fulfillment of, of not just Old Testament prophecies, but this longing in humanity's heart for a Savior, for a King, for a Messiah to come. Thank you for coming. Thank you for bringing your reign and rule. Lord, we pray that we would open ourselves up to you to be led by you, to be ruled by you, Areas of our hearts that are stubbornly resistant, would you release those things right now, Lord? Help us to come under your reign. Help us to relinquish control of our lives and to worship you, Lord. Guide us in this as we continue to worship you in song. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
0: You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.